True at all. You know what? I'm I'm down to Dante. Down to Dante? Yeah. You're DTD? <laughs> DTD. <laughs> so with that, welcome to <laughs> Behind the Hype. Me, your host is always Brian Dressel. With me as always is Jonathan Hartsey. DTD. And Chewy Darso. Dante. Uh finally in the studio, quote unquote. Uh together again for a first time in a Aww. long time. In person. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of these uh Via the interwebs. Yes. Um, the internets. Which is fine. Webs. They're still good episodes. I'm yeah. still proud. I won't release them if I didn't like them. There's something special about actually being all yeah. in the same room. I'm in clothes. I'm not in my pajamas. And not half asleep. Like, just finish the thing so I can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go to bed. I'm sorry. Don't apologize. We record late at night. It's Seriously. fine. Yeah, I saw an article recently, and the title of the article was like, Seven Tips to Become a Morning Person. And I just wanted to reply to the writer with, have a kid. <laughs> that's one tip. That, that's all you need. That, that's a real surefire thing. Suddenly, I can't stay awake past 9 p.m. I mean, I can't sleep past 9 a.m. That, that's that's the change. Oh, well, I used to sleep till noon, so that's a big difference. I, already, that, I wake up at 7. My bladder's like, what have you been doing to us? <laughs> Why? Oh, man. Uh, can, do you remember just back in the college days when it was noon and you would just be like, Oh, I should do something today. Oh, <laughs> man, I should get up. <laughs> it's been a. I want to go back in time and slap myself and be like, take that time that you don't that you're wasting. Every person who tells me they don't like, ah, I just don't have time for kids. I'm like, you don't know how much time you have. Yeah, no, you you guys have a, like a years worth of just extra <laughs> <You> day. <bitches. laughs> you don't know what you have. Shut up, Dink. Right. I love my son. I'm totally fine giving him all that time if that's how like I was complaining about. No, we it. love our Totally time. fine giving up the time. Really another say. thing, another thing people we don't We really say. miss being night people. Yeah. Well, I, I I try to hold on to it as much as I can. And then And then mornings like today yeah. happen and then I'm you like, wake no! up at 5:40 because the child's screaming. See, some of that though is the duality of parenthood. It's like yeah. you love the kid to death, but like you wish you could do other things too. Yeah, just, just stay asleep. Yeah, stay asleep. Just just till eight. That's all I ask. That, yeah. And oh, I realize that's a big that ask. That reminds me. I need to buy the Go to Fuck to Sleep book for Monica's baby shower. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> so there's a big highlight and delete. So Joe Dante. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice of us to have a little warm up that nobody got to hear. Uh, so week three, Joe Dante month. We are diving into uh, a movie that I, as I talk to people, uh, fucking no one saw. And I thought was one of his more famous movies. And I was apparently quite wrong in that. Um, but we've all seen it now. We're talking about matinee. Matinee. Matinee? 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 Mutiny. Mutiny. We're talking about mutiny. What a journey. That was a long road. Uh, so I can do a very quick just kind of summary, if you will. So Matt Nay came out in 1993, stars John Goodman and a whole bunch of kids that were potentially going to have a career and then didn't. Um, that's not entirely fair. One of them does still work every now and then. But for the most part, a whole bunch of kids that didn't have a career. Um, it is a story that takes place during the Bay of Pigs invasion. 
Um, and it's a little uh, Key West town in Florida that thinks they're going to be bombed. And everyone's stress level is like through the roof and beyond. And they're all thinking that tomorrow or right now or in 30 seconds, they're all going to die. And while that's happening, John Goodman comes to town with a movie to show everybody to kind of take their minds off things. And he has all these gimmicks and stuff. And the movie turns into this weird sort of like seize the moment sort of movie. And also a a love letter to old school, like monster movies. Um, And also this whole thing about like going through traumatic things is scary but also not necessarily a bad thing because it kind of lets you know who you are and like what you should appreciate in life mm-hmm. and there's a lot of messages all kind of piled into this one movie that uh unfortunately did not get uh it fucking bombed at the box office the reviews were not that great and it's kind of been lost to time but i still remember fondly and i think uh one of the two people i watched it or who watched it with me this week uh enjoyed it and i think the other one thought it was okay um, that's John and Chewy for those of you who are not keeping up with Hi. that. I think one Hello. of them liked it and I think one of them did not. Um, <coughs> but let's just do a quick round the table. I, I can say uh, for sure I'm I'm a fan of this movie. I like it. It could be rose-tinted uh, nostalgia glasses that I'm watching it through and that's why I like it so much. <coughs> but I do enjoy the movie. Uh, Chewy, what do you think? After watching Small Soldiers and this, I think I'm not the biggest fan of his message movies. Okay. Um, they just feel so much more controlled I prefer his chaos okay so So. you liked it more like when it was going for like the 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 old school black and white like the mant part of yeah and and pretty much all the jokes about the theater itself and people being silly with their uh, bomb shelters yeah but all the messagey stuff about you know life and death and such I, I it didn't really strike much for me. Okay. And I was a, I, I realized, again, this is a movie that I'd seen of his when I was young on television. And but particularly, there's a couple of scenes where I'm like, oh, this is when I started having feelings of consent when I was little. But I didn't know what that meant at the time. So they just made me uncomfortable. <coughs> nice. Uh, John, what do you think? I really liked it. This is my first time seeing it, hearing of it. That's kind of been a theme. This whole time with Joe Dante. Yeah, Joe Dante month. It's like, what is this movie? Oh, this movie. Or he did this one. Uh, But I really liked it. And a lot of what I liked about it ties really into just that, the movie that John Goodman, the character, is bringing to the theater. Mant. Mant. I did not mention in my breakdown. Mant. Yeah. That whole ordeal, that kind of William Castle knockoff, Hitchcock sort of hybrid. Yeah. Was, really worked for me. But like, it was one of the first things I experienced when I moved out here to Los Angeles was seeing a lot of William Castle, who a lot of this is based on, like Goodman's character, just those gimmick movies. Just a whole week of gimmick movies is what I got to see. And it was really, that's what I was nostalgic for when I watched this. Yeah, the the character that Goodman plays in the movie uh, is an interesting one. Like it's definitely half, uh, I just blanked his name, you just said it a thousand times, William um, Castle. Castle, thank you. And then half Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if Alfred Hitchcock made William Castle stuff? It's kind of like what they're going with. And it's kind of a weird sort of mismatch, but I like it. Like, it works for me. Yeah. Because it also was just sort of, it's just John Goodman. It's like, what'd you have John Goodman do for this role? Well, I just had him say lines as John Goodman, and he was really funny, so I kept yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of that throughout. Like, John Goodman... His one-liners throughout the whole movie are just fantastic. And he's just so dry and so quick. And a lot of that I, I really credit Joe Dante with. It's He knows what to leave on screen. Uh, 
for uh, for a good chunk of the film, uh, the, the a lot of the story I skipped over when I was doing my very, very quick uh, breakdown is there is a, uh, a boy whose dad is on one of the ships that's dealing with the Bay of Pigs. Um, and he makes some friends in town, which he doesn't usually do. And one of those friends, who's played by the guy who plays Billy in Hocus Pocus, uh, he has a girl that he really likes, but her boyfriend is insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. His boyfriend has feelings, and yeah. he doesn't know what to do with those feelings. He does feelings. not know what to do with those feelings. But uh, John Goodman hires him to be like the, the man in the costume during the match screening to like jump out and go, and also like run all the dials and stuff, and he's an idiot and basically burns down the theater. Um, but there's a moment when they're talking, going back to my John Goodman point, um, where he's he takes off the ant head, and John Goodman just looks like, you know, you're a good-looking kid. Have you ever tried acting before? And he goes, no. How do I do it? Never mind. Go back to work. (laughs) 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 It's just such a good moment. And then like, but then you can turn around and have that speech where you're touring the theater and he waxes about how special the whole, the cinema is and, and the carpet being dirty, the, like the griminess, the, the lived in feel, like he has that whole spiel and it was just like that won me over. His whole spiel about horror movies, and like you can almost feel like it's Joe Dante giving you that spiel, especially like when you go like our next week movie with um, uh, Bearing the X. Uh, like you can see just this love that Joe Dante has for this old school horror stuff. It almost reminds me of like, uh, like I could almost, I don't know for sure, I would guarantee that the year Paranorman came out, that was Joe Dante's favorite movie of the year. Yeah, um, for sure. Like, it just feels like he just has that, like, ingrained love for it. And he's giving this whole spiel about what it is to see a horror film or a monster film. And this whole, like, you feel like you're going to die and it's going to be terrible. And then the lights come on and everything's okay. And you know who you are because you survived something. It's like, yeah, yes. Yes. And that is horror movies. Like, he gets it. I've, ah. I've never heard, of exp- heard it explained that way before. And the fact that it was just... I don't know. It's, it was special to have that verbalized on screen by a fun character yeah. and to be like, oh, this is actually speaking. Like, that's where I got the message of the movie. The rest of the message stuff that didn't work is just like, yeah, that's fine. That was my message from the movie. Yeah. What, I, what's special about it, what it does for you, and all that. Yeah, I kind of agree with what Chewie was saying about the whole message movie part of it. Like, I, I think there is a big point in me that likes this movie because of the whole nostalgia factor. And that's really what Joe Dante does in spades. Like, you look at Small Soldiers, you look at. Uh, I'll talk about it next week a little bit, like Looney Tunes back in action. Like all these movies, they have like a very set feeling and this movie has that entirely. So he has that great sort of nostalgic feeling that I really tap into. Oh, the, the sets in this movie are very setty, particularly yeah. in the main boy's house. Yeah. Like, you know, you're in a studio. There's no, I don't, <laughs> I really don't feel like they tried to hide it. No. Like it, they, they lit this. That might be one thing that I, that I didn't pick up immediately, but now I'm thinking about it. He lit this movie like a 1950s sitcom. Oh, 100%. It's just, oh, it's yeah. not black and white. So therefore, well, it's... parts m- of it are. I mean, when they do the well, movie. The, yeah, yeah. The mo- but the movie in the movie is shot like a 1950s horror film. Yeah. It, the rest of it is shot like a sitcom, except it's in color. So it's easier to get the feeling of a studio then when it's not in black and white. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what are the Joe Dante things have we not really hit in this thing? I know I was trying to make a point. I mean, a the ago, cast, I getting oh, yeah, a lot I, of callback actors. Yeah. Dick Miller's back. The doctor's in it. Uh, doctor's in it. Doctor's a bigger part than Dick Miller in this one. Dick Miller's yeah. kind of a small role, but it, he has a great role. The doctor who is, I always forget his name, it's Robert Picardo. 
Probably because his real name just makes me think of another character Captain in Star Trek. Jean-Luc yeah. Picard. Jean-Luc USS Picard. Enterprise. Make it so? Yes. Make it so? Yes. <laughs> Except the doctor is the doctor on Voyager, and he would totally be irritated at a couple kids being in his fallout shelter. Oh, yeah. Super irritated. Well, he was super irritated. Yeah. He was crying. Yeah. <laughs> he was very it upset was about it. It was meant for me. <laughs> So uh, just to explain what happened there, because again, I, I really breezed through that breakdown. I'm, I apologize. Uh, at one point, uh, the kid who's in charge of the dials fucks things up so bad that they think the bombs dropped and they all go running down to the doctor's uh, bomb shelter and two of the kids get stuck inside. And uh, and then destroys the theater. Well, yeah, I mentioned he basically burns yeah. the theater down. But the uh, the problem is that the two kids stuck in the uh, the bomb shelter have the very, very noble thought of like, we must procreate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like well, it's oh like, my goodness, guys! Zero You're not to, even in there for ten minutes. You know what? At that age, zero to procreate. That was, I mean, yeah, I can expect that. Uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a hell of a moment. It really reminded me of, um, uh, especially if you actually believe that the bombs are dropping and that adrenaline is just everywhere and pulsing through. You're like, yeah, sure. It kind of felt like the flip of Greece too. Like, let's do it for our country. Because uh, in Greece too, it's the dude trying to coerce the girl. In this movie, the girl's like, it's our job. It's our job. Yeah, it's Put not, a baby in here. It's not very romantic. It's not romantic at all. No. But you know what? At, at, with kids that age, anything even remotely referencing that feels romantic. I mean, the girl is uh, Sandra. Uh, uh, she's very on point for the whole movie. She's very realistic. Bombs are coming. We're all going to die. If we're not in a shelter, we're going to melt. Uh, oh, the world's ending. Well, we need to have people I in the world, like so it's our job. Like yelling at the teacher going, it's stupid. This will do nothing. She's absolutely <laughs> right. Oh, you covered your neck? Good thing I didn't drop a nuclear bomb on you. Yeah. Oh, he survived. He covered his neck. He covered his neck. <laughs> I mean, you got to do something. Hope hope helps a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Or you just burn hope with everything else. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I remember a point I was going to make a little while back. I'll circle back because why not? Um, the way this movie kind of treats old 1950s monster films, uh, which I admittedly have not seen a lot of beyond like the uh, the kaiju films. Um, there is a love letter in this movie to days of old. To be fair, this should be 1960 something. That's true. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the point. The monster movies were kind of fading. That's yeah. why he was yeah. on, he was in debt. He was running from town to town trying to make money. So it still kind of tracks. Um, but as much as there is a love letter to the days of old cinema in here, uh, it kind of reminds me of like Hugo, where like Hugo was like advertised as this like boy in a train station movie and it yeah. turned out to be like this huge love letter to the origins of cinema and uh, a lot of people went well i don't like this movie yeah I, I was uh, one of the people that were like hey i thought i was getting a magical thing about a robot in a train why a robot what do you think because they had that toy robot thing oh uh, i guess that's true and then it turned into like a love letter to milliers yeah i was coming here for magic robots <laughs> <laughs> i was kind of like okay with the magic robot and then when it turned into that i was like oh man on the moon okay you're doing this interesting i kind of liked it more when it turned into a love letter yeah, i film. know you guys did yeah I'm sorry. but i wanted spielberg with a magic robot not spielberg scorsese, or scorsese. scorsese oh yeah i was freaking it it felt more like a spielberg movie it did me. i'll give you that it yeah. definitely did um but that's that's kind of like the feeling i got here it was like oh yeah we made this movie about the bay of pigs and about a, a kid in a movie theater and it's just a love letter to monster movies yeah it, it's just kind of like it has this feeling of like um like almost fomo feeling of like Joe Dante, it feels like he missed out on the era that he was supposed to be making movies yeah. in. 
And it's like when you look at Mant, like the fake monster movie that they made. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I kind of get that. Like, I do kind of think like if Joe Dante had been making movies when these were a thing, he would have made the best ones. Totally. The Mant oh. was hilarious. I really would like to watch that as a whole movie Absol- by itself. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing, though, is like what, again, what I liked about this is the reference to William Castle. There is actually a movie that they based this uh, Mant off of uh, The Tingler with Vincent Price. And uh, in the theater when we watched it, they had to put the buzzers under the seats. Mm. So there's a scene where the tingler, which is like this giant centipede thing that attaches to your back and it kills you if you scream. <laughs> so like it sneaks into the theater with, into a theater with a bunch of people watching a movie and the theater suddenly goes out. But, but not before Vincent Price says, don't scream! And the lights go out and then the, there's a buzzer underneath everyone's seats. And then in our theater, everyone screamed like, ah! And it was like, it was just such a perfect, like having it presented that way and then seeing this again here, I was like, yeah, no, I can see why he missed it. Yeah. There's like a, there's something special about that. That was at the time, everyone in the, everyone outside the movie is like, this is just a gimmick. This is stupid. But when you're in there, it's magical. Like oh, yeah. how crazy you can get it. It's like, you can recreate this for yourself and for other people and people do in rep screenings, but special. It's something special. And uh, you can, you can see just the love pouring out of the screen of this movie for those days of cinema. And I think that's oh, really yeah. Cool. And I, that's why I brought up uh, Hugo, because you got the same thing. It's just like, you can just see how much Scorsese loved that era of filmmaking. The same thing in this one. It, it's just, unfortunately, I don't think man, Matinee is as good of a movie as Hugo is. Chewie might think they're more on par. One had more money. But one had a shitload one more money. One shitload more money. <laughs> one had Scorsese money. Joe I, Dante, I for how say, great he is, never got up to Scorsese level if I, success. If I could go to one of this guy's movies... His version of 4D cinema or os yeah. or whatever uh, looks more enjoyable than that one time we went to that at the Science Museum. Is it the sci- I thought it was at the Shed Aquarium. Shed Aquarium. It? Either I remember getting stabbed in my back. That was a shed for sure. It was a shed. Yeah. Yeah, where they basically just like had a hard like ruler. There's like jab you. Yeah, in the I don't back. remember why Ow! it did it. I remember it making <laughs> car- uh, Cadence cry. Yeah, because it poked her in the head. She was too short to sit. Yeah. So it just got her in the back of the head. And it just it jabbed me in my shoulder blade. I was just like, this is terrible. I'm going to sit forward on the edge of my I'd seat. I'd rather be electrocuted. <laughs> well, it's funny watching yeah, movie theaters and companies try to essentially recreate this without any of the, the winking, knowing cheesiness of it. Because even like these people, the William Castles who made this, like, they know it's ridiculous and silly, yeah. but that, like, that they went gung-ho with it. I mean, that, that's entirely what John Goodman's character knows, too. Like, yeah. the whole thing, he's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. But isn't it awesome? It's ridiculous, but it's fun. Yeah. It totally, one of his movies looks like fun. Yeah, it, it's kind of like the, uh, it's the argument I give for people for Legends of Tomorrow. Like, that looks like a stupid show. It is a stupid show. It knows but it's a stupid But it knows show. it's a stupid show, and it's amazing. Like, it does it so well. The, I tried, the, actually, with the, le- like, not Legends of Tomorrow, but the Crisis. Oh, I tried yeah. doing, I tried approaching it that way, of, like, knowing it's stupid, but knowing I won't get half of the things but let's just let the experience wash over me yeah. and i loved it <laughs> yeah it's they it, know what they are and they're they're damn good at doing yeah what they it's do. like when tyra banks was on uh, you know the first season of the top next top model Ooh. and she told the models you need to smile with your eyes and in these movies in this movie and in like legends of tomorrow or whatnot the actors are smiling with their eyes because oh, yeah. they're having fun <laughs> Um, what's her name? Kathy Morarty, I think it is. Uh, she plays the the nurse. She's John Gunman's right hand woman. Yeah, uh, throughout the whole thing, you can tell 
every scene, like she's acting, obviously. She's a very good actress. If you, would, if you don't know her by her name, you know her as the bad guy from Casper. Um, if you're also in your 30s like us. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's where she's from. Yep. Um, I didn't actually cheat and look at the IMDb. <laughs> that, that's where we all know her from. Um, she's an excellent actor. I think she's just, she's fantastic. Her comedic timing is unbelievable. But uh, there's a few moments of her that I enjoy when she's with John Goodman. Every scene she has in the movie Mant, you can just see how much fun she's having. <laughs> like, it's all just so good. Like a, Bill! <laughs> Bill! Bill! <laughs> Bill, put that car down. Bill, <laughs> stop it. I don't remember what his actual what, job is. He's what like, do you call that at? <laughs> Bill. Bill. <laughs> and then cut to the kid in the theater like, the general wouldn't say that. <laughs> I just, that was my fate. Like, there's so many moments in this that you can just feel Joe Dante talking to the audience. Like I mentioned earlier with the, Joe, uh, the John Goodman speech, that one, a real general wouldn't say that. And his friend just goes, Shut up. <laughs> so it's like, there's, there's Joe. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. Oh, man. Um, I, just, I, I agree with what we were saying earlier. I wish we could just see Matt. Like, there's a part of me that wishes he had just made Matt. Uh, I think that <clears throat> might be why I saw this in theaters. I've never actually asked my dad why he was so adamant about taking me to go see this movie. Did your dad like it? Yeah. He didn't love it, though. I remember going, that was okay. Yeah. And I really liked it, but again, I buy into Joe Dante's stuff. Um, so maybe it was just speaking to me. But either way, like I think he thought we were just going to go see Mant, and he was really excited about it. And then we see Bay of Pigs. And... Well, because what was the was the whole – what I don't know, because uh, I didn't look anything up about it, but today the marketing just shows the matinee screen and John Goodman above it with explosions. Was it marketed with Mant – in the whole thing, in the marketing? I don't remember the trailers to save my life, but I remember I, that poster. Yeah, that poster is the same poster that when we went to go see it. Because so. that could be it. If, if they were promising more of that movie within the movie, then... I mean, it could be that. And it also could just be that like, uh, my my dad is probably the primary reason that I love film and I'm involved in film because he always would take me to stuff. And he was always the one to like, pay attention to directors because if you like a director, you're probably like other films they've directed. So there's a chance that he just saw Joe Dante love Gremlins and went, we got to go see the next movie the guy who made Gremlins made. Oh, got it. Okay. So that's that's very a very real possibility. That's funny because I can't see your dad enjoying Gremlins 2. I don't think he liked Gremlins 2. He loved Gremlins. Yeah. I don't think he liked Gremlins 2 at all. Yeah, your dad doesn't handle absurdism. No, he doesn't like absurdity. Yeah. I don't know how I happened. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm an introvert. Jenny's an introvert. And we have the most extroverted children we've <laughs> ever seen. So. Were you guys extroverted when you were young? I don't remember. I was loud when I was young. Like I was very just bouncy off the walls, but that was, I could still be within myself and not, I could just bounce off of people. Okay. But then I got shy and just it stopped. And then I became like, Oh, okay. I'll, when I'm comfortable with you, I'll, I will, I will talk. Fair so, hmm. so maybe my dad was into absurdity when he was younger. Maybe awesome. having a child drain the absurdity out of him. <laughs> You, you leached all the absurdity from him. Yeah. It's kind of like when I was young and I actually, that's probably another reason why I wasn't super into this movie. I definitely liked coming of age films more when I was that age. Mm. I guess there's something to be said because like I've always just enjoyed them. Like I've, I've and that maybe that's another reason why I like this one more than you. Cause there is a coming it, of age, yeah, aspect, coming of age it. aspect for sure. It's not as uh it's not as in your face as say something like uh perks of being a wallflower no. or uh, like risky business. Or as you like to call it, the hooker movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. Yeah, yeah. There it's a is great something. Movie. There is something interesting about putting 
that coming of age thing in a movie like this that isn't just 100% about the coming of age where a lot of those like I don't is Percy Wallflower have anything else besides just the coming of age and oh, kids yeah, growing there, there's some but there's that's, some that's, that still is... have so many problems with that movie being coming of age why because it's just about a boy falls in love with a hooker decides I'm gonna help her make money in my risky parents' business. house. Risky business, risky business. Not oh. we're we're no. in Percy being a wallflower. Oh I'm like, god! No, oh, wow. Emma Watson is not a hooker. I'm still hung up, hung <laughs> up on stupid risky this, business. This gives me a great idea for us another podcast. <laughs> oddly enough, where someone's talking about one movie. Actually, all three of us will be talking about a different movie and try to see if the like we have the same. God, just because how relatable is that, really, with risky business? How many people can relate to a dude bringing home a bunch of prostitutes to his parents' house and I'm a man? It's a good movie. Mm. Uh, it might not have aged very well, but it's still a good movie. <laughs> I love that movie. You it's the easiest, don't relate to it. It's the easiest Halloween costume ever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Just don't wear pants. <laughs> and Ray-Ban sunglasses. Mm. And then you're good. I'm done. And then uh, later in the day, when you've over. <laughs> later in the day when you've got a dirtier, you can be uh, Walter White. Yeah. See? <laughs> and then you carry around a pizza. <laughs> yeah. So when you go to the Halloween party, you're Tom Cruise from Risky Business. When you come home from the Halloween party, the morning hungover, you're Walter White. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> I like that. I told you, Risky Business is a great movie. Anyhow, matinee. Uh, I'm gonna leave all of that tangent in because it ended pretty well. Um. So Matt and I, we were kind of talking about the coming of age nature of it, and that's kind of where I wanted to go. Because when I uh, when I saw this movie as a kid, I remembered all the Matt stuff, all the theater stuff, all of that, and I had totally forgotten about all of the wartime stuff. And that's really where all of the coming of age stuff is. There's this, uh, it's this thing that, in a different movie, pro- probably not a Joe Dante movie, the weight of the story of the potential bombs dropping would have been the heart of the movie, not the movie experience, which uh, I'm very glad that it went the way that it did. Um, but there is something very, very interesting about how they approach that subject. Now, granted, none of us were alive during this. We don't know what that scare was actually like. Um, but there was something to be said about all the parents are very concerned, rightfully so, that a bomb is coming and everyone's going to die. And all the kids are just like, well, the kids are more romantic about it. Yeah. They're more like, well, what can I do to be exciting right before I die? And the parents are all like, I have all these responsibilities before yeah. I die. The ki- all the parents are like, we, we don't want to die. And the kids are just like, eh, I wonder if I can get a girl to sleep with me before I die. Though I will say one of my favorite parts of this film is when the main boy is having a dream. And I thought it was a wonderful representation of inner anxieties that he is not expressing outwardly. Oh, oh yeah, because uh, it's all because it ends up being all about his greatest wishes for his dad to be back, and then when he leaves to go see his dad, he, both his parents are gone. No one's there. He's all alone. He opens the door, and the bomb is dropped. Yeah, like total like fatality nihilistic dream right there. I mean, that's oh, totally yeah. his, what his insides are afraid of. And it's done very well in a movie that's pretty tongue in cheek the whole yeah. way through. That moment, it like. You it feel has it. some real gravity to yeah. it. Yeah, and he never really... He never mentions it. He never brings it outwards. Like when he's out with his friends or with his parent, his mom or John Goodman or anybody. No, none of the kids really express fear about the bomb dropping beyond... Uh, what was her name again? I just said it not that long ago. Sandra? 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 I think Sandra. Um, uh, beyond, yes, yes. Yeah, beyond Sandra, there, no one ever expresses any sort of fear of the bomb coming. The kids are just living with it. And I, I just found that fascinating. It's like such an interesting choice 
for a film to go that route, even if that is how it actually happened, it's it's a bold decision to go. The kids are just sort of fine with it. They're accepting that this is a thing that could happen, and the parents are the ones freaking out. Yeah. Well, because even for them, it's been happening their whole lives. The yeah. Cold War started in the 50s. That's true, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so these kids are what, like 12, 13 years old? Yeah. I think the, I think the oldest would be the 16-year-old uh, uh, boyfriend character guy. Um, Who writes poems. Who writes poems. <laughs> See, he has a lot inside of him. He has a lot of feelings inside of him. I totally watch a movie about that guy. He he needs some he needs some guidance, <laughs> especially in writing. <laughs> especially <laughs> in writing. I do love the. I love, uh, but I love the poems though. The, like as he's reciting them, I'm just like, this is so like the, cringe. But at the same time, I was like, I, I'm feeling it's not that you. Bad. It's not that bad. I feel you. I actually feel. Oh, absolutely. You. I feel you, man. Yeah, he he's got something to say. He just needs a little help <laughs> getting it said. Um. I also love like that we haven't mentioned her at all. His uh, his ex, Sherry. Sherry. She is phenomenal. She learned about her body. She did, and she <laughs> is DTF. She's thirsty. Holy crap! <laughs> she is ready to go. <laughs> she doesn't want to be a virgin when she goes. I don't think she is a virgin. No, I don't think so. I think she just wants to add another add another notch to her belt. Uh, like she is, she is ready very... to rack up some numbers. One thing, and, <laughs> and that more gets power to, to me. Her, One of the things like, that. I have been learning about Joe Dante is he's very good with his female characters. Oh, his female character. Yeah. Like, there is none no... of them feel one dimensional. Uh, no, they're never one dimensional and they're all very proactive. Yeah. Like there is no coercing that girl. She is going to be the one doing the coercing that yeah. happens. Uh, we, uh, we'll have mention again next week. Exact same thing next week. The women are just like, no, this is happening. And it's like, oh yeah, that, that's actually kind of nice. It's super nice. It's kind of refreshing. But Sherry is fucking, like, she owns every situation she's in. She wants to go out with, uh, I keep forgetting his name, but I'll just call him Billy. Uh, Stan? Uh, Dennis. Stan, thank you. Is uh, it Stan? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, Stan. So she wants to go on a date with Stan. He's like, yeah, you want to go to this monster movie? She's like, yeah, that sounds great, but we're going to go look at some coral. It's <laughs> just like, what a horrible date. <laughs> yeah. Coral? What would yeah. that even be? That, that sounds... just means they're gonna do it underneath the the pier. Oh yeah, they're she's taking him somewhere. A very unhygienic place to have sex. Yeah, uh, but she said it was like a, a museum thing, like they made uh, coral animals. Okay, but either way, she's just taking him out somewhere to bang. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> As a woman, while I'm watching this movie, I kind of kept having a feeling uh, like Arrested Development with him. <laughs> Poor Stan. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like she could have reached for the stars a little bit higher, but they, they definitely made her out to be like the it girl of their school. Yeah, so and I, he, I guess, he I seems see like such a little like like a guy's gonna doofus. get beaten up and yeah, like, have his like, shoes like, taken not really away. Anything and too bright. Get chased down by Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker. And yes, <laughs> that's like the sequel to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're totally right. I, I I didn't even clue into it. I'm just like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's like. Oh. Him? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but, she, he must have had a pheromone that she was really into. Well, it was yes. fascinating, the scene where, like, uh, the three of them meet, the main character, uh, Jean, Stan, and then Sherry, when they when they first meet, and he introduces yeah. him to her. You can tell she's trying to gauge, like, do I like him? Do I want do I want to switch my allegiances to, oh, team, yeah. to team Jean? <laughs> and, she, like, she gives him a once-over, like, mm, pass. There was a lot of, like, <laughs> acting in that face that yeah. was very, like, I was surprised. I was like... Wow, Joe Dante does women characters so interestingly, and 
he directs them so well. And every scene with her, she stole the scene. Like yeah. every yeah. scene, she she just owned it. And like specifically, like it's when she's talking to Stan earlier about like the date she's gonna go on. Her eye contact is horrifying. She's intense. <laughs> she is in your face. You are not looking away from her. You are a hundred percent on her at all yeah. times. Yeah. It's uh. like, it was impressive. She was great. I bet she auditioned for election, but then lost it to Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. I mean, that is one of my favorite Reese Witherspoon roles, so I'm not too upset about it, but she no, would have been good. No, but like, I could see her in that role. She still acts. Oh, yeah, but she's incredibly prolific on Hallmark. She has her yeah. own serial version of films of a detective. Yeah, yeah, she she does well for herself. Um, might not be stuff that I watch, but she's yeah. she's made a very good living out of it. Um, but there's a moment um, with her specifically. I'm going to totally lose it now. It was with her and the boyfriend. Oh no, her and the brother. So she's uh she's got this little brother that basically steals all of the love notes that the <laughs> former boyfriend had written for her. And I just I love that like they don't really go into what they are. They just really make sure that the audience knows They're these dirty. things are filthy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the sixteen year old boy wrote this girl some ugh, stuff. While he was in jail. <laughs> While he was in jail. Which is just horrifying. <laughs> and I love the uh, I, I love the little brother just like I'm gonna go show these to mom and dad no you're not it's like okay well I'm keeping this one because this one is rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, I, I really enjoyed every scene with Sherry I'd watch an entire movie about Sherry she was great and I also like that uh, like Gene and Stan know each other for like 10 minutes but they like they immediately go like we're bros Bros. Yeah, <laughs> bros, bro. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go live for my bro. I'm gonna go tell him that uh, no, you had to come to the movie with me. He didn't want to stand you up on your stupid coral date, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't. He got bullied out of that. The the former boyfriend definitely said, "I'm going to murder you if you uh, if you go on that date." Mm. Like, oh, uh, I don't want to get murdered. Just no. like, go to this movie and hope for the best. Yeah. And that was a, it. Was a pretty smooth lie that Gene pulled off there. Yeah, I was like, okay, I I would believe it too. Yeah, Gene's a Gene's a bit of a Kind of a scumbag. He's a, he's a quick thinker. Quick thinker and a... He's a good liar. Yeah, he, he's a... Thinker of... and a liar. I wonder if he knew the whole time that they weren't really stuck in that uh, bomb shelter. And he was just like, yeah, I'm going to go along with this. <laughs> she she seems like she really wants to procreate. Yeah. I won't tell her about that open button. <sighs> I should hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how this plays out. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> we just made him really bad well he just got done lying to a girl to make a to have his friend banger and then he takes another girl down to a storm shelter or to a bomb shelter to have his way with her he doesn't seem like the greatest guy when you start breaking down what he does throughout the movie it's trauma he's traumatized his dad's on a boat somewhere and could die uh, sure he's acting out his brother's not doing that his brother has the exact same dad his brother is seven and kind of an idiot yeah <laughs> you mentioned uh the movie that we're talking about next week, Bearing the X. And then last week, with, with with the movies we've seen so far, I've seen this interesting through line in this, like, and I've noticed it here specifically, is dudes who are kind of more passive. They're a little bit more unsure yeah. of themselves. And it's a been a through line through all the movies we've been watching until the very end of just guys who aren't, like, sure of themselves, not confident, oh, yeah. and being very pulled along by the narrative and the women in the narrative. It's a very interesting trope to see through all these movies it's even in uh i was gonna we were gonna do a where they've been doing but since we only have two i'm gonna save them both for next week um 
but we watched uh, Looney Tunes back in action. It's definitely in there too. Yeah, no, it it's throughout. That is very much a Joe Dante theme. Like it's it's interesting. Like watching all these movies back to back. Like we've watched now six Joe Dante movies in the course of about three weeks. Uh, there is definitely a similarity to all mm-hmm. of them, which has been very kind of fun to watch. Yeah, um, but fun to realize. I don't think we would have ever noticed this had we just watched these randomly. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, it definitely helps watching them all in like a a bubble. Uh, I think we've kind of said everything we can oh, say uh, about matinee. Unless let's give a, a shout out to the Dick Miller cameo with him and the oh. other guy because that's that scenes that scene those scenes are great. Uh, the the scene when they mention that Dick Miller is like the muscle, I'm like. Dick Miller's the muscle, and then the scene where he has to shake down the uh, the boyfriend. It's like Dick Miller's the muscle because mm-hmm. Dick Miller. Because at this point in our watching, I've been hunting for the Dick Miller roles. Oh yeah. Now now going starting from the beginning, where it's like, oh that guy. Now I'm like, where is he? Yeah, where where He's is be he? Here somewhere. He's gonna yeah. show up at some point. And him that team up with him and uh, John Sales. Yeah. Hilarious. It was so good, especially like the because like, the kid tries to rob them. <laughs> and it just goes so poorly. Like they have him like up against a wall, and like, like all right, hold You're the not kid. Very I'm gonna, good at this, yeah, are you? We're gonna punch him in the face, and they just give him a little slap. <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> it's so fucking belittling and intimidating at the same time. Mm-hmm. I've tried to do that to people; they don't like it. People don't like getting slapped in the face. It's mm-hmm. kind of a thing in movies that we don't bring to real life. <laughs> well, I grew up in a movie. And so did I. Yeah. I'm guessing John did too. Yeah. Yeah. And we started a podcast about it. Yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't slap people in the face, though. Yeah, I know. But, but people should slap each other in movies more. Yeah, it should definitely happen in movies more. The highlight of How I Met Your Mother is Slaps Giving. Like the slap fest, the slap thing. Slap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the best thing in the whole show. All right, I'll stop slapping people. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> All right, I, I think uh, now that we've met, I can't believe I almost forgot to mention Dick Miller. How do we forget Dick Miller in this? Dick Miller's in all of them. We were down yeah. to Dante, but <laughs> down to Dick. Ooh. <laughs> uh, God, poor, poor Dick Miller. Well, next week is a little rough for Dick Miller, but we'll we'll get into that next week. Yes. Um, yeah. But we should finish this week, so we're gonna move into our uh, our closing segment, which is funniest moment. Uh, mine has already been mentioned, I'm pretty sure. So I'll let somebody else go, and then I'll see if I can think of another one. Uh, Chewy, do you have one off the top of your head? What was your funniest? I just like the moment when they say, what do you call that aunt? Bill. <laughs> I, I really liked that moment. That's such a good moment. That was in the movie in the movie, but yeah. It's still part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, John, what about you? Uh, for me, it's, I, we, I think we also mentioned this one as well. The, when the general says something very cheesy and generic and the kid goes, that's not how a general would talk. Yeah. That, oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> No one likes that kid. Uh, no one liked him in this movie. Yeah. No. So I think for me, it's got to be... I go back and forth. There's a lot of moments in this movie that I think are funny, but it's got to be the, within the movie and the movie. And for me, it's got to be uh, when... I forget her name in the in Mant, but she's talking to the dentist, and she's like, why are you hiding your hand? And he just goes, because it's not a hand. And, and he holds up the, the <laughs> ant arm. It's been like this since Bill bit me. It's just like, <laughs> I love this. <sighs> just just so good. Uh, so I was going to do review system, but review system just doesn't seem right for this sort of thing. So I'm going to kind of do what we did last week instead, because I really like that. What's what's a good pairing for this? We're going to do a uh, old school double feature. Sit down for matinee and... Ed Wood. 
Solid choice. Right of out of the gate. What else would you watch with this? I mean, you could have watched an Ed Wood movie. Nah. You just want to watch the movie about Ed Wood? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go for Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, <laughs> Fine. I'm just going to take a leaf right out of Chewie's book there. <laughs> uh, I would watch I would watch Plan 9, and then I'd watch Matinee. Yeah, I think in that order. Yeah. I would... Um, I've already kind of given it away, but I would do the Tingler with okay. Vincent Price, <laughs> and I would, Tingler. yeah, I would watch this first, and then afterwards be like, you know, I would like to have watched the Mant, and then you actually get to with the Tingler, uh, yeah, for sure, that works, and it's just it's so cheesy, and it's so like Vincent Price is like the surgeon, and it's like a creature that attaches to your back, and if you scream, it kills you, and it's so in I the vein of don't this thing. Know this movie, it's, know. it's great. I kind of want to see it now. But I only want to see it in that theater experience, which sounds like it'll be difficult to pull off. Not unless you can do like something to your seat or chair. Or just hope they do another run of it at yeah. some point. Time will tell. Babies are uh, being babies. <laughs> yeah, if they're not being picked up on the mic, our, our children are apparently welcoming Jandy to the Thunderdome. Um, <laughs> so with that, I think we should uh, start saying some plugs and start saying goodbyes. Uh, plugs for us. We are very nearly done with Venture Bros. Getting close. It's uh, sad. We had our fourth to last episode uh, this past Monday, um, and then only three left. Well, four technically. We are going to do kind of a wrap-up episode when the other ones are done. Then on to our next show, which is... I'm not telling you yet. Um, You'll have to tell me off mic so I can actually start preparing for... Yeah. <laughs> Because I actually have it picked. I, I have I've decided not just what the next show is. I have the next. It's gonna be family matters. It's two a shows. real curveball, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we know the next two shows that we're covering at Venture Bros. So we've already we've moved past. And actually, somewhat spoiler: one of them is a TV show, the other one is not. All right. Da, da, da. Uh, but we'll get there eventually. Uh, so that's every Monday. Check out Venture Bros. And then I'll just mention the website beyond there: athpod.com. Check out everything, including Matt Dyke's wonderful article on Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> He's still going to quit working with us. Who? 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 Who is it? Yeah, I like Doctor Who. Yeah, I'd love to read about it. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, that's 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 Matt's ringtone is the Doctor Who theme song, if you didn't know. I know now. Doctor Who fan. Well, I hope we find out why and how. In his article? Yeah. His super long, well-researched article. Yeah, it's going to be great. He interviewed all the main actors. I can't believe he got all those interviews. All I'm so impressed. Directors, writers. I mean, they all live next door to each other over there, right? So. Yeah. That's how England works. <laughs> just all the doctors, Matt's house, and then the queen. Yeah. And then like, and then, like Sherlock Holmes is on the corner of the block. It's just a little island, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, he's going to be so annoyed. Uh, Such damn Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of yanks. Oh, boy. Chewy, anything to plug? Superstore. That's right. We just got approved for season six, yo. What, what? What, what? Riding the show to a house. Yeah. Southern California. <laughs> Good luck buying a house. Uh, <laughs> you can look at one. It's brutal out here. <laughs> uh, John, plugs? Uh, yeah, Demon Days. Every week. The adventures are still continuing, and uh, our tiefling are still being chaotic. So, Sounds good. So we've said all that. Tune in next week when we will discuss Burying the X, the most recent full-length Joe Dante film. Uh, he has done a few things past then, including TV and some uh, short film compilation things for horror movies. He's done um, a bunch of episodes of uh, 
Hawaii Five. Yeah, Hawaii Five O and oh. Dakota of Legends stuff that we're not going to talk about, but he's done a ton of stuff. Um, Corn so is knocking it. I can hear. Uh, so be sure to tune in for that, and then uh, at the end of that episode, we're going to do like a little quick wrap up of like what we've learned about Joe Dante, which kind of talked a little bit this week about. We'll talk a little bit more next week, uh, but be sure to tune in for that. Thank you very much for listening, and bye. Bye.